Thanks for subscribing to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne podcast. It's our hope and prayer that God will use this message to draw you closer to Jesus. Don't forget to sync your device regularly to get the latest podcasts from Calvary Chapel Melbourne. For more information, log on to calvaryccm.com. In your Bibles, again, you don't have them, but you got your iPad, you got whatever that's there, and I'll have many, many scriptures on the overhead for those of you at home, and of course, in campus is in Vera and Sebastian. We will be in Acts chapter 6. Last week, we saw the early church had a problem because of the explosive growth, and God provided a solution. The apostles were told by God to appoint seven men of the believing group, each of whom had a good reputation. They basically were to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be filled with wisdom. These seven men would distribute food to the widows, and there was a problem with the Jewish widows and those from the Greek area, and that was going to solve their problem. Now, the apostles would continue then, as these seven men did this, the apostles that are there, they were given by God the gift of teaching and praying and shepherding the people so that they could continue with that. Now, it's interesting, Acts chapter 6 gives us a description of one of these seven. He's just a normal, average believer And his name is Stephen. Take a look on the overhead. Stephen was said to be full of, or another word we use, controlled by these qualities. The Holy Spirit, wisdom, faith, grace, and power. Now just stand and look at those for a moment. Just look at them. That's a great mess of wonderful things. Think about that. Uh, To be controlled in all those areas is really what what God wants in our life. Now, on the overhead, see this verse, Acts 6, 8. Vieira, Sebastian, you guys watch it online. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Now, think about this. How did Stephen, who for weeks was making sure the widows are going to have food. That's what he did. Or the money that would come in. He would make sure the money and buy the right food for the people. How in the world did he go from serving tables, like at Wendy's, to being a powerful teacher and a miracle worker? What kind of a jump is that? Well, I'm going to give you two reasons this morning. The first one is called, if you take notes, the law of use. This is a biblical principle. The law of use. Now here is the definition of that law. The law of use teaches that to be successful, we're talking spiritually, we must use and develop the talents, gifts, and skills that God has given us. Now watch how that works. This law of use comes from the parable that Jesus gives in Matthew 25. And it illustrates this spiritual law. In this story, what you see Jesus doing, it's a picture of Jesus going to heaven, and he's talking to three men. And he gives them talents, which really represent their opportunities, their resources, their gift from God. And he says, go and and use these wisely and bring more back. So he gives One man, 10, one man, five, and another man, one. 
And at the end of all of this, what you see happening there is simply this. They, the one with 10 gives another 10. So he worked really hard. He listened to Jesus. He used his talents, his ability, and opportunities. The one with five duplicated that. He had all of those kind of things. The one with one did nothing. Did nothing. So here's what Jesus says to them. Let me read it to you from Matthew 25. His master replied, which is Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, that's the law of use. Take a look. If we are faithful with our resources, our money, our time, our talents, our gifts that God's given everyone, everyone has a gift from God to serve him, God will give us more resources, more talents, more gifts, more opportunities, and responsibilities. That's the one we breathe. We're supposed to be pleasing God by doing all of these things. So that is the law of use. So just kind of ask yourself, how are you doing with the law of use? It's, it's a principle throughout the scripture. Now, here's a couple of questions for you. How did Jesus, average fisherman that he picked up to become his disciples, and they, he picked up one more, a tax collector, how in the world did these 12 apostles, who were just ordinary fishermen and a tax collector, change the whole world for Jesus Christ? The law of use. They were just faithful with what God gave them. They were just average people. And God used them, and those people from the start just turned the world upside down. Well, let me share something personal with you this morning. How did a hospital pharmacist get to be a senior pastor of this incredible fellowship of believers here in Melbourne, Vieira, and Sebastian. How in the world did that happen? It's called the law of use. Let me share with you, some of you know, uh, and I'm not going to all my uh, background, but some of you know this, you've heard this before, but let me just share with you. Last summer, Linda and I went to Michigan. We just took a memory lane trip back to Michigan to kind of, just think about where we had come from and what God did. We, we went to the towns that we lived in, the Lincoln Park and Wyandotte, down in the suburbs of Detroit. And we went and looked at the apartments we had rented. We had rented a couple of apartments there. When we got married, we had this little apartment in the upstairs of a house. And it had basically a little teeny room, a bedroom, hallelujah, and uh, then it had a little teeny kitchen, and it was $90 a month. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't laugh. That was a long time ago, 1966. And, and then we went by the schools we had been educated in. And then we went by the church, my dad's church, where we were married in. And we just had a great time of thinking about what we just sang, the faithfulness of God, just to see what God had been doing. Now, when I understand we were there, after we got married, I begin to, we began to pray, and we basically said to God, we would like to move to Florida, and, but God, we're just going to wait on you. We don't really know if that's going to be your will or what, and we just tried to say to God, we want, we're going to be people of faith, 
and we'll take big, big steps of faith if you approve of it. And if we fail, I know you will remain faithful. And by the way, we all fail, and I, we fail too as we were working on this. So while I was in Michigan, I was, I was a hospital pharmacist as well. And I was very active in all kinds of ministries at my dad's church. When we wanted to move to Florida, we just said, God, just help us to take these steps. And basically, when we get to Florida, if you say yes, we just want to promise this to you, that we will be faithful to you, whatever you call us to do. We, we weren't coming to start a church. I wasn't a pastor. We were just coming to Florida. So we had no idea, but we just promised together. We prayed and said, God, whatever you call us to We'll just try in our best ability to be faithful to you. Well, when we arrived in Florida, uh, basically, uh, we were actually down here on vacation. We weren't making the move yet. And we had never been in this area of Brevard County ever. Our honeymoon was down all over Florida because our parents, my parents used to come to Florida a lot because of relatives. So I said, while we're here, we were on the beach. I said, I'll just go to a couple hospital to see if they need any pharmacists. And I went to one, and they said, no, we're not interested. We don't need any pharmacists. Then I went to Wustoff in Rockledge, and the administrator was there, and uh, he says, well, come back tomorrow. We'll see what happens. I said, okay. So I went back the next day and uh, had a little interview with him, and I left as director of pharmacy. <laughs> I'm saying, say what? <laughs> you kidding me? And I went home and told my wife, I went back to the hotel where we were staying. And uh, all of a sudden, then God began to orchestrate all this for us. Now, what happened was, when we came, an amazing thing happened. But let me tell you how it happened. When we knew we were going to move to Florida, uh, I had been working at a hospital, as I told you, and I was the only pharmacist there the only pharmacist, and they had, that had taken effect. People were going to the war like crazy. Well, I couldn't be released to go because I was the only pharmacist. In fact, sometimes while I was there, I delivered two babies as a pharmacist. Figure that one out. <laughs> and uh, that's because they were short of people. Well, when I got back and we knew we were moving to Florida, I said to my wife, I got to go to the draft board. I have to tell the lady. So I went into the draft board. We didn't know what would happen. And she said, well, you know, you've been uh, eliminated from the service because you were the only hospital pharmacist there. Now you're leaving. You're going to 1A. And you'll be in the war very soon. And I went, okay. <laughs> and I said, God, I think you called us here. So we're not trying to avoid anything. We're just going to go. And so as I was walking out, I forgot, and I turned back to the lady, and I said, I forgot to tell you, while all of this has happened this summer, I found out my wife is pregnant, and she says, have a nice life, Balmer, bye, because <laughs> with a child, they couldn't take you <laughs> in that time, with a brand new baby, and I just walked out going, oh, that's really good, God, no, I walked out like this, <laughs> would you call that God? Yes. I mean... We knew that God was behind this. So when we got to Florida, we, we started in a church on the beach, and uh, I knew about the church, and interestingly enough, the pastor of the church had gone to Bible school where my mom and dad went to Bible school. Figure that out. 
And so all of a sudden, I begin to teach the youth. And you know Jimmy over here. I began to teach Jimmy as a teenager. It never worked, you can tell. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And when that happened, right away as we moved around and the church moved over to, to Merritt Island, I began teaching adults, which I'd never done before. I taught kids and youth at home in my dad's church, but I've never done them before. Then after there was some issues, God called us to plant a church. I didn't really want to do that, and, uh, but we just kept praying about it, and then there were some other men, and so uh, about six of us decided to plant a church, and it was on Merritt Island, and it was called Cornerstone Church of Merritt Island. And as God began to move in that area, the church began to grow. And the pastor that was there left, and I would teach some, but I wasn't called to be a pastor, so I just filled in. And then we heard about a church called Calvary Chapel. And there were no Calvary Chapels in Florida, zero. And not much on the East Coast at all. And so we got orchestrated, Malcolm, Pastor Malcolm to come, Malcolm Wall, and he was a Calvary Chapel pastor. And we became the first Calvary Chapel in Florida supernaturally from God. Not that Calvary Chapel is, you know, something special, but it, it's a great place, a great place to move. Now, when I did that, I remember back later what happened. Pastor Chuck, who started all this way back in the Jesus days, you remember that, in California, what happened was he loved ventures of faith. He just loved ventures of faith. In other words, take big steps of faith. Just do that, because that's where God is pleased. And that's what we had done, and God directed us there, even starting this church. And then Linda and I, remember, we said to God, whatever you want, we'll just be faithful with this. And I can say to you today, because we had small beginnings, small beginnings, God has been faithful to us because we used his law of use. Now, I want to share with them, this is very important for everybody Stephen knew this. I know this. Take a look at this. Never despise small beginnings. Well, I, you, you could say, well, Stephen probably said, no, what are you doing? Stephen gets to go to this, and some of the other seven guys don't get to, they're still doing tables. Why does he get it? I don't get to get it. No, don't ever. Don't, whatever you start, be faithful in what you, God gives you. Just be faithful. And what does he do? He honors it. Now, I'm not perfect, far from that, but God overlooks, and he's gracious as well as faithful. So when you see that happening, that's how we got here, and that's who we are. And that's just, I can just say this to you, it's, it's a joy to be here. Now, so the first thing is the law. The law, you saw right here, all of it, number one. Remember what it is? The law of what? Come on, use. Use yourself. Use your gift. Use other. Here's the second one. Here it is. Take a look. Big steps of faith. Big steps of faith. Now, look at verse 5. And they chose Stephen. Now watch. A man full of faith. So that's why God did it. He was faithful in the little things, but he was willing to take a big step. Now, can you imagine God coming to him 
We don't know how he did that. He was probably serving tables. And all, all of a sudden, God comes and says, uh, this is your last day here. I'm going to use you in another area. And you're going to teach, and you're going to do supernatural things with God. You can think, Stephen's going like, say, well, you got the wrong guy here. What are you talking about? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's a man full of faith to take those steps. Now, notice the word in verse 5, a man full of faith. The word full in the original language means this, duration. It's an ongoing quality. It's not a man with faith that takes one step in his life and that's it. It's a lifestyle of taking steps of faith. The man and the woman, the righteous man and the woman are led by God. And you take steps of faith. So it's not just one. And you're going to see that as it goes. So same thing for us. Since we got here way back in 69, we've had to take a lot of steps of faith. And we just did this. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, what is faith? Here it is. It's the confidence that what God has said or promised will indeed happen. It will It's the promises of God. It will happen. If God sends you and does this and do this and work in that area, whatever, it's not a pastor. It's just anything that God calls us to do. If he does that, he'll make sure he equips us to do it. That's just the way it is. is, it, is it, uh, here's another word that I use. How do you spell faith? You want to write this down. R-I-S-K. Am I right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. Only God does. It's a risk. But I'll trust God over anybody else. And you need to do the same. That's just the way God works. Now, so that's exactly what happened in our lives. And when you see all of this happening, we don't know why he chose Stephen. We don't know the steps he did. But he had enough faith to just believe and follow by the way, sometimes people think when they see faith, well, that's really, only certain people have faith. No, look at this. Everyone has faith and lives by faith. During this week, most of you will take some kind of medicine because of some kind of an issue in your body or whatever like that. But do you know what's in it? Well, it's right on the label, Pastor Mike, I know. Well, do you know that's really what's in it? Who made it? Where did it come from? See, when you swallow it, you had what? Your faith. You faced, had faith that trusted what? The manufacturer? The pharmacist? Did he give me the right thing? When you eat lunch this afternoon, you have faith. You know the sign that's in the restroom? If you're an employee... Whatever. <laughs> so what do we have faith? That the person did what? They washed their hands. Exactly. You ever see a place where something falls on the floor? And I watch. <laughs> if that goes back in a plate, you're fired. <laughs> so we have faith. Here's something else. Serving God by stepping out in faith is always a great adventure. Don't, don't be bored with life. We only do life once. Follow what God has. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Enjoy it because it's exciting. Is it difficult? Yes, it is. Now, here's one more thing. Doubt loves to challenge our faith. 
Doubt seems to see the obstacles. Faith sees a clear way. That doubt is always there. We never know as we pray and read the word how God will challenge us to take big, big steps. But here's something important. You know this verse by heart. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, what are we doing right here today? I'm teaching the word and you're what? You're hearing the word. So as you do this, should your faith be growing? Absolutely. That's why you want to be, whether it's here or watching online or reading the Bible, whatever, that's how the faith goes. Now, when you see that, here's the second part. Faith starts by believing in God's character. What do we mean by that? He is who he says he is. If he promises something, he keeps his promise. And that's why we study the word of God. Now, I'm going to give you a couple options. Take a look at this. You choose. Number one, a life filled with big steps of, steps of faith. Or number two, a life filled with regrets. This isn't a calculus problem. That's a pretty simple. Which, which would you take? Big steps. Ever have regrets? We've all had regrets. Why did I do that? Why didn't I do that? Sometimes I think, what if I said to God, well, I'm not going to Florida. What a, what a great group of people I'd miss. Now, you wouldn't miss me because I'm too short, but other than that, <laughs> what a thing. And the only way you want to do this is take big steps of faith. Now, notice, life, let's spend our lives for something that outlasts it. We're, we're adding up people to the kingdom of God. That's what our whole series in the book of Acts is about. Now, you have to understand something. I learned try not to live life with regrets. To just step out, not knowing what God was going to do, but just hearing him say. God really, at the beginning, began to grow Calvary Chapel. We started with 100 people. And Lynn and I lived in Merritt Island. And we would drive down on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. We had a Sunday night service in those days. And we would drive down. I was working full-time as a hospital pharmacy director. And we'd come down and teach those two things, and I'd meet with the board in the middle of the week and all that kind of stuff. And pretty soon, we were up to 500 people. God did it. I didn't do it. And I said to God, I'm going to have to do something. I, I can't do this. I can't work full-time and do all this. It's impossible for me. And so we, Lynn and I prayed about it. And we decided, I worked a little bit of part-time for a year or so. That helped a lot. I took no salary from the church at all. I just took care of whatever I could get at the hospital pharmacy. And then God said, it's time to quit pharmacy. Now, that was a hard, big, hard move for me because I'd studied basically five years plus a year internship, that kind of a thing, and had to take a board of pharmacy, a state board of pharmacy thing in Michigan, and then they didn't reciprocate, so I had to do one in Florida. And I just walked away from it. I thought I'd never walk away from all of that, that God had helped me. Never, never. But I want to tell you how God helped me. I want to tell you how God helped me. When I did that, here's what happened. 
I never went back and thought about it again. I left it in the past because it was the right thing to do. You know why? I don't have any regrets. It was hard, but I did what God asked me to do. Don't ever mistrust God. When he leads you, the other stuff is just stuff. It's just stuff. And so we move on. That's what I did. And I'm so happy that God helped me to do that. I just never looked back. Now, here's what I want you to say to your neighbor. Now, you can't touch them, but you can say something to them. Okay? Say this. God loves big steps of faith. Come on. God loves big steps of faith. You at home, put that donut down. Say that. God loves big steps of faith. Now, do you know what the Bible also says in the book of Hebrews? God cannot be pleased without faith. You'll hear this later. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Now, look at verse 8. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Now, look at me for a moment. Stephen is the first man, other than an apostle, who was able to perform miraculous miracles in the book of Acts. That's the only person. He was not an apostle, but he did exactly what the apostles had done, exactly kind of what the picture of Jesus. Remember, when Jesus was here, he had compassion on people, people that were hurting, people that needed healing, people who needed to come to Christ, people who had demons needed to be freed. That's exactly what Stephen did. He was not an apostle, but God gifted him as a man and gave him the empowerment to do just that. Now look at verse 8. Again, did great wonders. Even though Stephen's initial responsibility was to serve table, what did God do? He saw he was faithful, he wasn't prideful, and he moved him to impact the world in a whole different way. Now, Stephen, now that he's not doing tables, he is out among the Jewish people. Remember, the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin, the 71 leaders, kind of like our Supreme Court, they were against the apostles. They were always trying to put them in prison and jail and all that kind of stuff, beat them. You saw that. Well, Stephen's there. He's going to work his way in the synagogues and try to tell that Jesus is the Messiah, the same principle he heard Peter teach over and over again. He he knew that they didn't believe it. He knew it was going to be a very difficult thing, but God gave him the strength to go in and do that. Now, If he goes with his power, I've got power. I'm telling you, you got to believe in Jesus. It won't work. So it goes with grace. God gave him the balance between power and grace. Now, when Stephen took a big step of faith, when we take a big step of faith, what's normally going to happen? Tell me. It's just going to be smooth as silk. Everything is perfect. Look at the first word in the next verse. Tell me what the word is. Shout it out. It's called what? Opposition. Really? You mean there's going to be trouble if we take a step of faith? You mean somebody's against us if we take a step of faith? Hello. Of course. So this is the first thing that happens with him. The members of the synagogue the Jews of Cyrene, Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia. That opposition came because Stephen was in that area of the synagogues where the Jews were worshiping together on the Sabbath. Now, those synagogues were named according to the people who met there. 
So when he walks into that area, the Jewish religious leaders begin to argue with Stephen. No, we don't believe in Jesus. You're wrong. We don't even know who you are. You're not one of the apostles. Who are you? Didn't, weren't you serving tables? We don't believe that at all. But he kept talking to them. He had heard Peter. Look at verse 10. But they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. You know, one of those groups of people in that church, they were from Alexandria, Egypt, one of the most top learning centers in the world in those days. Amazing wisdom. But what does he learn by this? Two things. Here it is. Good for us to remember. No spiritual warfare is real. See, he'd never seen any of this. He's seen it with other people. But here's the other part you got to remember. And it's also personal. There's no other apostles with him. It's Stephen. And Satan came right after him. When you and I take a step of faith, don't get worried. It's going to happen. There's going to be opposition. It will be personal. Why is it personal? Because I'm the one taking the step. Relax. Stephen knows how to handle it. God knows how to handle it. So when we take a stand for God and truth, often we'll be opposed. That's just a given. Jesus told us about that. There's going to be spiritual warfare. Now, when you see that happening, here's what happens. This cafeteria worker, teacher, miracle man, he wins the debate with those brilliant Jews. If it's not because he had a higher IQ, it's because he was filled with God's wisdom. The Holy Spirit filled him with that. Now, that shouldn't surprise us. Him being able to out-debate some of the wisest people has already been given to us by God. Look at this verse from Jesus. For I will give you words... And wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. That's a promise for you and me. We're not going to be the wisest people talking to unbelievers and whatever. Again, you're not going to try to beat them to death or whatever. But you know what? The word of God's powerful. So as we share people, we love with it. Whatever promise we have, God's going to take care of us. He'll give us the words to just use and minister. And they leave the results with Jesus. Now, Notice something. There were also Jews from Cilicia. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why are you going to history and going to geography? Why do we care about Cilicia? Well, let me tell you what. The most important town in Cilicia was a town called Tarsus. Does that remind anybody of anything? Saul. The Jewish man Saul, which was part of the Sanhedrin came from Tarsus. Now, when you think about that, he eventually becomes who? The apostle Paul. Most of the New Testament is written by him. Now, remember, he didn't believe in Jesus either. Now, I want you to think about this. He's there in Jerusalem. He's worshiping in the synagogues. Does Stephen know it? No. But you'll see over the next chapter next week, he was listening and watching Stephen. And eventually, God comes to him, and he becomes one of the most amazing biblical scholars and man of the spirit 
that we have in the Bible. Writes almost all the New Testament except the Gospels. Wow. See, God had a reason for Stephen to stand there. And this guy's in back going, Stephen's an idiot. We don't believe in Jesus. That's not the Messiah. That's the exact. Remember, Paul, Paul, who became Paul, Saul was killing Christians. So what a change. Now, when you see that, look at verse 11. Now, remember, they, they couldn't win the debate. So what did they do? Notice what the first word in verse 11 says. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. And they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. So since they couldn't win them in a debate, they simply get some men together who lie about Stephen. They just lie totally about him. And, of course, with that, then he's brought before the Sanhedrin, and, and he's charged with blasphemy. Do you know that's exactly what they did against Jesus? Blasphemy? He says, I'm God. They just did that. Now, it's interesting to me that religious Jews who failed in the debate now turn to lying. They're supposed to be the religious leaders. Well, Who's behind lying? Yeah, you know the answer. Take a look. Satan is a liar. He can't speak the truth. Satan doesn't want people to know the truth. God and his word are truth. By the way, God's truth is absolute truth. It never changes. And this is what Jesus prayed for all of us, his disciples and all of us. Father, sanctify them the believers, by the truth, your word is truth. See, God wants us to know the truth. That's why we're studying the word of God. Now look at verse 13. And these liars, they produce false witnesses who testify. This fellow never stopped speaking against the holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, the sanctuary, and change the customs, the laws that Moses handed down to us. Now, you'll see next week how that's handled. He never said that at all. They're a total misunderstanding. They were lying to him at all. Now, look at verse 15. This is very important. You guys watching online. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, the 71 of those Jews, are looking intently at Stephen. Now, the reason they're looking at Stephen they're trying to say, what's Stephen's response going to be? Now, if you were sitting there, and this whole group of people come, and they lie about you in every area of your life, how are you going to feel? Well, that's what they're looking for is a response. Look what it says. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. God has a great sense of humor. You see, they're looking at him, and they don't see a face of a demon. They see a face of an angel. Evidently, his face glowed with glory just like Moses' face did. You remember when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments? He came down, and what was his face like? 
It was glowing because he'd been with God, like the glory of God. Well, these guys are Old Testament people. They knew that at all. So it's interesting to me that Stephen, whose face is glowing, is accused of speaking against Moses. El stupidos. They're blind. They're blind. You know what God was saying to Stephen facing that? This man is not against Moses. He is like Moses. He's my faithful servant. That's encouraging, Stephen. Let him laugh. Let him lie. Do whatever. Now, I want to give you a little challenge. I've had to do this three times. It's a challenge for me this weekend. Let me ask you a question. What would our face have looked like? Somebody lies to you. And if those lies are true, you're going to be put in jail. Oh, is it Pastor Mark? Just be a peaceful man and fill the spirit. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for this trial, God. This is wonderful. <laughs> really? I, I think maybe in there could be some anger. I think somewhere of you, all of us could be. You know, you know the vessels in the neck? You're ready to what? Take on the world. But what does he have? He's filled with the Spirit. And he glows with the glory of God. Now, I want you to see something. How we handle ourselves in life is very important. Look at this next statement. People are always watching our lives. But we never know who's watching. Stephen doesn't know that Saul is watching. His reaction, I'm sure at one point, Paul could never get rid of it. How could that guy? And you'll see more next week. Because you're going to see next week, Stephen gets stoned to death. But he does just like Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When Saul saw that, he could never get that out of his mind. Now, how could Stephen really respond in a positive manner to those lies and those troubles? I want you to look at this. This is huge to our ending this morning. Look at this. Stephen was filled with what? Faith that brought peace because he knew that God was in control. Do you know that God's in control? Our world is totally out of control. Secular, all kinds of stuff against God, even the virus. People are thinking, well, God caused the virus. God did not cause the virus. Satan causes the virus. Don't go crazy. Understand, his goal is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to realize with all this going, there is a God that's in control. Now, remember that Stephen was a man filled with faith, not fear. For the last few months since December, we see our world living in fear, really with no hope. The focus of everyday life, you turn your television on, doesn't really kind of matter what station. What are you going to hear about? The coronavirus. And the more physically we need to know about it. We need to study. You saw the video. We know what to do in a physical way to get rid of the virus in here and cleaning and 
chemicals and all that kind. We know all that, and that's wise to do. It's very wise to do. We need to know how it happened. Do you know that the major force of the coronavirus is one place, the lungs? That's it. And that's why you saw all the things we do there. So it's very wise physically. When we're faced with that kind of a situation, we need faith, but we need practical faith. Do the things, like some of you watching, thank you for not coming if you're sick. That's crazy. Thank you so much. But we also don't come and go, well, that person next to me, I think I'm going to die here on the corporate right now or whatever. We don't want to be that way, and I'm not making fun. But more than physical, we have to understand, spiritually, God has a solution for us. Now, I'm going to share something with you. Last Friday morning, I had my sermon done. And at 5.30, God was gracious. He woke me up. (laughs) Not four. And here's, in essence, what he said to me. You know God speaking. Not weird, just to my spirit. I'm the great shepherd. I said, okay. And he says, you and the other pastors and the elders... You're under shepherds. You need to calm my sheep. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. It's not about me. It's not about me. I said, well, God, how am I going to do that? And he showed me. So I spent maybe 15 hours redoing the end trying to leave you with hope when you leave here or you have to get offline. Let me share how God told me to do it. The promises found in the Bible are about peace, faith, trust, and not to fear. Remember, faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of God. Here's something that you might not know. In the Bible... This is God's word. Do not fear is written 365 times. Now, why would God say, don't fear every day of your life? Why would he do that? Because we what? We fear. Is there a solution to it? Yes, there is. And this is the solution God gave me. It's not me. It's not my wisdom. It's all God. Remember, he didn't say, Balmer, take care of your sheep. No, I'm taking care of God's sheep. That's you. We're all sheep. Now, understand what I'm going to do. I'm going to have some verses on the overhead. And I'm going to challenge you, all of our campuses, as you're doing these, we're going to go through them. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. These will be online. You can see the notes. You can do all those kind of things. They'll be uh, there for you. You don't have to copy them all down, obviously. But what I think is good, I'm just asking you, while this crazy thing is still here, every morning, just get up. Don't look and say, well, who else got it? How many more countries got it? Don't start with that. (laughs) Start with the Word of God. And I'm going to give you a bunch of verses to look for. And then I'm going to teach them. Then I'm going to pray over you. And then we'll be gone because we have no song at the end. I did that on purpose because I want to make sure you get this today. 
So when you get up, one or two of these verses, just open these and use them in the morning. Because you know what? You'll walk out in faith. And you'll walk out in hope. And you will not walk out in fear. Okay? Now here it is. Take a look on the overhead. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him, her, in perfect what? Peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he, she, trusts, has faith in you. And look at the next one. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Now, you know this next statement. You understand it. Where is the battle? How do I know that? It just says it over and over and over again. So how we think is how we react. That's why you don't want to get up in the morning and go, well, it's getting near Brevard County. It's going to do over here. It's going to do like that. No, start with the word. Battle from your spiritual mind. No, I'm believing God. He has a solution for this. I'm not walking in fear. No, let's go on. I, Jesus said this to his disciples. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. Here we are. But take heart. I've overcome the world. In other words, the end is coming. This will end. This too will end. And notice the key. In me. This is for Christians. You have God living in you the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and don't know Christ personally, or maybe you're backslidden, I'll just give you a small prayer at the end so that you can walk out of here with the peace of God. Let's continue. Next verse. I want us to read this together. This is kind of a, an easy summary of the word peace, shalom. So let's read it together. Here we go, out loud. Completeness. Rest, safety, tranquility, wholeness, total well-being. Hallelujah. That's what he wants to give us. Think of that. When you, when you say all those things, you just feel at peace almost already because that's his police, peace, shalom. Now, how about this, John 14? Jesus says this before he leaves. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The peace of the world means the world only has peace when there's no problems. Hello. The world can't answer it. The peace from Jesus is very different. It's in him. It's trusting him, not the world system. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts. How do we do that? Through our minds, through our minds again. Now, remember, God's peace is putting our faith and trust in him. Now, I want to show you the differences. Sometimes we don't get this. It's very simple. Look at Mark 440 on the overhead. But he said to them, his disciples, 
Notice what he says to his disciples. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Look at this next statement. Faith and peace are the opposite of fear. Do you see how they go together? You see why Stephen was a man of faith? Faith and peace are the opposite of fear. Where do we get our faith? From the word of God, which brings us also peace. Remember, faith is a confidence in what God has said he will promise. And that's what I, I'm reading these scriptures to you. That's what he'll do. Now look at Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You see anything in common there in that, those verses? I am. You and me have a personal God. He's a shepherd that cares for us. He knows how to take care of us. Now, the last thing I want to just say is this. We live by faith, not by sight. So can I challenge you this morning to trust God with all your life? Are there, is there going to be trouble? Of course. Do we have the solution? Yes, his name is Jesus. And his word is what defeats fear. Now, I'm going to ask you to do one thing this morning. And then I have something God gave me this morning as well. And when you stand, I want you at home that are watching, I want you to stand as well. I want everybody here to just stand for a moment. I want you to do something different. I want you just to hold your hand out as if God's going to put something in your hand. Do you believe this morning that God can give you peace? We have not because we don't ask for it. So I'm going to initially pray for you to have peace. And then you need to just take a few moments and say, God, thank you. For giving me peace. He promises to give us peace. I leave you. I leave you with my peace. Bow your heads. Father, here in a campus, thousands of people watching. We can't do this world with fear. It destroys us spiritually. destroys it physically. But this morning you promised. You will give us your peace. We don't have to earn it. It's a gift from you. So this morning, may we come against fear. Maybe we have peace with God. God, I ask you to encourage your sheep this morning, wherever they're at, whatever the situation is, and that you give them the peace of God, that shalom, that rest, that completeness that can only come for you. I pray this morning that you'd increase our faith and trust in you as we read these scriptures, some of those scriptures, one or two of them every morning. Remember, and those are the promises of God, and you will not fail us. Just take a moment and thank God for the faith that he's giving you right now. Just thank him, just quietly under your voice.
Lord, there's one more thing. In our world where we're at, we need your protection. We'd ask you to protect us from this virus. Or if some have it, that you heal us from this virus. You still heal. You're still our protector. And also, Lord, I want to just pray for the people that may be going to have to go to part-time or whatever with the schools closing and mom and dad work. How is that going to work? God, you're our source of everything. Jesus told us in the Bible, do the birds worry? May you take that worry and fear away from people. Because God, you are our supplier. And I just pray that supernaturally you just come by and minister to those people that might have that fear. It's a real kind of situation, but God, you can calm them and give them peace. And you can take care of them, Lord. And there's one more thing I want to remind all of us, and then I have one more prayer to pray. Father, our shepherd, we just saw that you promised never to leave us. We are not doing this alone. When we leave the building, when we take the TV and turn it off, and we're no longer watching the service, you're right there with us. So I just encourage us to realize that you have promised never to leave us. We know that you are in control. And you have been so faithful, and you're not stopping it. As we look back at our lives, all of us have enjoyed your faithfulness. Now, I want you just to look at me at all the campuses right now. You can put your hands down. When I got up this morning, God gave me a prayer. And I sent it out to the other two pastors. Here's what it is. Let's be a light of faith and hope in a dark world filled with worry and fear. See, the prayer shouldn't just be for us. It should be for our world who doesn't have Jesus. And when they see you with hope and peace, they're going to say, how can that happen? And see, that will be an open door when it's right to say to them, that's because Jesus lives in me. And his word is true. The world is searching for answers. We have the only answer. His name is Jesus. And we can't be going around being negative and fearful and whatever. Again, we're not talking about being stupid or any of that kind of thing. We, practical, we got to be very careful. As you leave this morning, you're not going to give anybody a hug. Forget it. If, we don't have money to pray for you if you do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but we can get up every morning and go, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to do one more thing, and then you're gone. I'm even three minutes early. Praise God. <laughs> when you lay down tonight, if you're married or have friends over or your children or whatever that they understand, I want you to remember one thing. The great shepherd 
is in your room. Oof. The great shepherd, not me, the great shepherd is in your room. Don't be fearful. I don't know what's going to happen to mom. Don't be fearful. For parents that the kids are old enough to understand that, remind them. They don't have to. They're, they're, they're confused. School's closed for three weeks. You got to do it on home. They're totally confused. Bring calmness to your home. That's what Jesus told me to do that morning. I, I can't bring calmness, but Jesus can bring calmness to us. I'm so glad you're here. If you don't know Jesus, let me just say this at the end of the service. We'll have prayer counselors down here. You can just come. They'll pray with you. See, without Jesus, you're empty, you're lonely, you're guilty, and to be honest, you're afraid of death because we are not afraid of death because we know where we're going because of Jesus Christ. So I just encourage you to just walk down here. They'll be there, and they'll just pray with you. Just take a second to change you. And as you leave this morning, he's been so faithful to us, and he remains faithful. We'll let you know during the week what it looks like, whatever. It doesn't really matter if, you have, if we all have to stay at home because of whatever. Then we can deal, do this all the time. And you see this big, tall guy teaching you all the time. <laughs> I know I look better here than I at home. Don't forget about it. Remember, do the verses when you get in the morning. Don't start with the news. Do a few of those verses and just say, thank you, God, for your promises because they're all true. May you be at peace. May you enjoy his love. And may the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit speak peace to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God used his word today to continue to change and shape you into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. Send us an email at mail at calvaryccm.com or call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. And don't forget to listen to the next podcast in this series. Until next time, may God bless you, and together, let's do life right.